World of Work podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. I wanted to let you know that as well as these podcasts, we deliver at least one free online seminar every month that you're welcome to attend wherever you are in the world. You can learn more about them and register for them via our website, www.worldofwork.io. That's www.worldofwork.io. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. What are we speaking about today, Jane? Well, today we are talking to Joseph Wetman, who ha- we're going to be talking all about his very varied uh, roles that he's held in his career. And with it, we're going to be discussing things like dignity at work and how people treat you depending on the type of role you have. Brilliant. Well, it's going to be an exciting conversation. So let's get into it. Okay, so here we are in the main body of today's conversation. We've got a really exciting conversation lined up today. We're going to be speaking to Joseph Workman, um, who's an author, and we're going to be speaking about his experiences of work, his perceptions of work, and a lot to do with his work experience and the role that, that work plays in our lives. We're going to have a fairly conversational episode today as we explore these topics. Um, and I guess before we do that, uh, can I hand over to you, Joseph, and, and ask if you could introduce yourself and say a little bit about your background and what you're working on at the minute and things like that? Uh, sure. Thank you, James. It's very nice to be here in the World of Work podcast. It's a fascinating subject. So happy to be here. For me, uh, I worked uh, as a child, entrepreneurial things, door-to-door sales and mowing lawns and odd jobs. I, I like working when I was a kid and making money. And then um, I was in Domino's Pizza at 19. I was rocketing my way up the uh, ladder on my way to being, being a millionaire. By age, I was by age 23. And I loved what I did. I had pizza sauce in my veins. I just loved it, going to failing Domino's Pizzas and turning them around. And I uh, loved it. And then I got some sort of a, an epiphany about... Well, the suffering of humanity. People suffer. Everyone suffer. Rich people, poor people, everyone. And some people more than others in different ways. And so I, I just stopped everything and I, I had a duffel bag on my back and I just roamed the country pondering pondering life and what does it all mean? And so I had a lot of different jobs. I've had over 120 jobs, maybe half of them restaurants, because it's easy to go in and say, do you need a dishwasher? Do you need a blind cook? And and uh, so I did that, but lots of things, taxi drivers, lots of different driving jobs, bank teller, many, many different things. And then I rejoined society, went to school, became an occupational therapist, and then left and then got a job in an entry level in the restaurant. And that was an interesting experience. And then I wrote this, uh, this operations manual for restaurant owners and everyone working in the hospitality food service industry from my wandering experiences and my experiences of coming back into the world. Well, I mean, I think that's such an interesting um, background and interesting experience and, and something we can really explore. I love the, I guess, the sense of freedom with which you describe, you know, putting a bag on your back and heading off to to see what's out there and see what makes sense of this weird, weird world of work that we're in and, and to see, you know, what the right things are for us and what fits with us and, and you know, what, what that world means and then where we can find I guess, maybe a reduction of suffering through work and, and how work can be a positive force. At least that's part of what I'm interpreting from what you're saying. Um, could you talk a little bit about what it's like, you know, changing jobs that frequently and, and I guess moving between the different jobs? How does it feel going into a new place? What, is it, what does it feel like for your, I guess, identity as you go into each new place and say, hey, can I have a job? What, what, what's that moment feel like if you keep doing it? I, you know, I've had in my life, I don't know, maybe 10 different jobs, something like that. That's, that's a sizable amount, 10, yeah. And these days, people do change jobs more often. 
Uh, well, I like what Jane mentioned earlier is like, how are you perceived according to what job you have or a job you identified with in the, in the past? How do people perceive you? Generally speaking, I'm used to being the worker. I just show up, what, hey boss, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Great. The most striking example is when I went to school and I got graduated, got a job in occupational therapy. I was helping elderly, sick or injured elderly people regain uh, function well enough so they could return home instead of going to a nursing home. This was a kind of an unusual experience for me. I was a massage therapist. I had my own practice years earlier, but this is a new experience for me. I had a white coat on, you know, like doctorish, you know, medical professional looking coat. I had my clipboard. And so I had the outward look. And also instead of like cooking French fries in the back or cutting potatoes, washing dishes, you know, I'm 53 now, but in my forties, like washing dishes, you know, some old guy washing dishes. So the adult children of the elderly people that I was taking care of, I would consult with them and, and talk about the progress. And so they look at me as somebody, you know, and, and so would listen to me. And I felt, uh, I don't know, I felt good. And, um, and also I felt good that I was helping people in a significant way. And then I left because there, there's some problems in the healthcare industry. And, and sometimes uh, the profit motive is weighed more heavily than positive patient outcomes. Not all the times, but consistently. So I left after a year and I just, oh, I'm just going to get a entry level job, you know, in, in restaurants again, so I can figure out my next move. So that was interesting. So I was used to making good money. I was used to being respected and valued at work. And, um, and but now I'm just some old guy washing dishes and well, I'm still the same person. I'm still as smart or as dumb as I ever was. But obviously, um, I'm a kind of a little bit of a loser if I'm in my 40s washing dishes. So very undignified and uh, I'm, 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 I'm at a loss for words, which is a bad time since I'm doing an interview. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's all good. I mean, I, I, can, I can sort of imagine that, that sort of feeling of dignity. And I guess, you know, when you go into that type of entry level job uh, and you're speaking to somebody and, and how does it work when you maybe interact with customers or see customers or, or interact with young bosses and things like that? What, what, how does that feel for you? What sort of sense of connection do you get with people when you make that transition back to that more entry level world? Oh, working with young bosses. That's hilarious. I mean, I was young and Domino's Pizza doing my thing and being happy and making a difference. And I made plenty of mistakes, of course, when I was 19 managing Domino's Pizza stores. And I look back and say, oh, my gosh. So I, I, I feel for the young managers and like, good for them. Good job. And at the same time, it's just funny, like all the life experience you have as a fairly mature adult. And then if you have someone, a 19-year-old boss who, I don't know, things are mixed with ambi personal ambition and everything, they don't, maybe they don't necessarily care about you. Some of the young people I worked for, they, they cared. They had a kind of a vision of, of goodness and caring. But ah, it's just interesting working for someone that you know a lot more about and they don't recognize in you what you have to offer. It's more about their career directory trajectory and you are a a means to, to an end for them it's very interesting working for very, someone very young and appreciating their good qualities but also saying oh kid I, I, let me tell you a couple of things but they don't want to hear it from you because you had your chance there now it's their chance so i, I see both ways I, I feel for them and god bless good good luck to, and also it's a little bit of a, eh, a little un, undignified in a way but i chose my own course 
Well, and I think that's that choosing your own course is critical, right? Because I think, from my perspective, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't for a moment suggest I've had as varied a workplace experience as you, but certainly I have. I had very little interest in following a what would be an expected path for myself. And I think one of the challenges that I find really difficult is that I feel like certainly in our society here in the UK, and I think from, from my experiences living in the US similar, that there is, there is a very narrow idea of what success looks like for a career and what people perceive, are you successful if you've hit these milestones? And therefore it's really difficult for people to navigate when someone is happy about their job or at least satisfied with what it's doing for them at a at a place in their life where supposedly you're meant to be doing something different or you're meant to be more skilled or you're meant to be, you know, or you've not, you've gone backwards or heaven forbid sideways. I had a conversation this morning about how awful it is to move right. sideways. And I was like, why? You found another thing that's more interesting that you're enjoying and it's operating a different place in your life. And I just, I wonder when you see those uh, younger people who may be earlier in career, how much do you think, it's because they've never been exposed to the idea that like work doesn't have to be a narrow path of step one, step two, step three, steps four. Right. Cause they're, they're out of the gate. They're ready to go. And they, I, I'm just imagining, you know, like I did, they see the world and the way the world presents itself to them and say, okay, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing. And I'm, I pick something and I'm, um, I'm on it. And, and I can see how, Maybe they have yet to see, just like I had yet to see, and most of us, the wider world and deeper, wider, expansive, everything about life. I think you're right, though. I think I, I do. I think you're onto something there, because I think when I look back about my choices, I made different choices, but I always felt bad about it. Right. I always felt like it wasn't what I was meant to be doing. It was like, oh, but I'm going to. So I, I did some traveling and I, I ran a, a pub in the outback in Australia. And I always, every day I worked in that job, I loved it. And every day I felt guilty that I wasn't doing what my parents had expected, for example, post-university. I was like... Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mm. jump in and, and just talk about similar but slightly different experience. So, so I kind of did the, the rebel thing, right? And, you know, like did a different path with my, my work. But my rebellion was, like many people's, against my parents. And my parents were both social anthropologists out studying people around the world. So my rebellion was not to do any of that cool stuff. And so I went and became an accountant and studied economics because that was me swinging the pendulum back the other way and, and doing the different thing. So in a funny way, my rebellion led me straight down the narrow path of, of you know, expected normality and progression through the knowledge worker, professional, blah, 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 blah. And in my own personal experience, you know, I did that for a long time. I, you know, I, I studied and I, I worked and I trained as an accountant. And the first two years, I really enjoyed it. And then the third year, that's when they start in, in the type of work I did. They start, you know, like farming you out and you don't learn, uh, learn as much. You're not developing as much. And I could just see myself in five years, I'd be maybe that person. Ten years, maybe that person. Fifteen years, I might be that person. And it just scared me. I felt confined and hemmed in and claustrophobic by that vision of a future that was in, in, that, uh, in that role that I had. And I know that's meant to be, you know, the, the progression through life that, that, you know, is held up as the right direction, but it just scared me. Um, and so I, I handed my notice and I gave them nine months notice just because I had to get out of there. And at least I would have taken some, some action by giving them that notice. That was the first day I could leave. I had a three-year training program. 
And I gave him nine months notice just because I knew I needed to get out there because I didn't want to be that person in five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. Um, and part of that was, I guess, me realizing that that path that was set out of, you know, progression and stepping and moving forward and all of that stuff, it wasn't what I wanted to do. It, it didn't give me the things that I wanted. And Jane, it sounds like you did something slightly different. I mean, you you kind of branched out earlier. Well, maybe. I mean, I you know, I mean, the reality is that I also had it <laughs> combined with a fear of commitment on extreme levels. So any job that I could find that allowed me to move between communities and, and, you know, be a part of something for a while in a temporary fashion suited me just fine at that stage. Um, and I guess I, I was just curious on a slight tangent. I wanted to ask you, um, Joseph, about like, what do you, what do you think you need from a job that, that means that you're like happy with that job? What is it you see? Cause I, I, I and then I'm going to ask James and I'm going to share mine because I think it's different for everyone, but I'm really interested to hear from you. Like when you've got a job and you're happy with it and you're enjoying it, what is, what is it giving you? Oh, fantastic. If I could just backtrack just a little. Well, I had a similar experience about being confined because I thought, what if I become a millionaire? I could, let's say I own five Domino's pizza stores which, and uh, I'm a millionaire and I'm married. I have kids and great. And, but what if I don't really know anything about life? And, and that's fine to have a career and raise children because if you have children, you're going to learn a lot about life. You know, and, and also just being married, you learn a lot about life. But what if I, what if I get older and I'm not wise i want to be a little bit wise when i'm older not if i get rich then well, that'd be great but then maybe i, I don't have a, the pressure to be, to learn anything more so what do i what do i get out of work what do i expect for me yeah I'm, what do you value what do you want what's your what's your driver what is it that work can fulfill for you that makes it a worthwhile pursuit what, what's the attraction i guess what do you need from work or what do you need from the world that work can give you besides money um when you walk into a restaurant in the morning, hopefully if it's clean and organized and ready to go, you just get to work with other people. There's a purpose. There's something that you're going to accomplish today. I mean, there's long-term projects where, which are very satisfying. But like in a restaurant, you have that day, you have like a thousand different elements coming together, a lot of moving parts to serve that perfect meal in a timely, timely way with graciousness to that one customer times two or 300 times in that one day. And you're working shoulder to shoulder with people. You're physically moving. It's good because I like physical work and you're thinking and, and there's also the, and the human relations and you're coming together and you're, you're getting something worthwhile done with other people. And that, that feels great. Um, for me, work, the worst thing in the world is working with other people. And the best thing in the world for me is working with other people. It's just a matter of the human relations, and that depends upon the general wherewithal of each person, the collective wherewithal. I have a little anecdote. Uh, I, I moved to Mexico uh, with my wife five years ago, and there, we have big family gatherings. And in one gathering, uh, you know, there's those tents, those tents you have outside that you eat under, the party tents. And so at the end, one family member started to take uh, the tent down. And so I just kind of assessed the situation for a few moments, looked at it, and silently just stepped in. And then another family member and another family member, then there was four of us in total silence, just smooth as silk, just very quickly, very smooth, taking it down, boom, 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 it's in the box, gone. I loved that. I didn't make any money from it. I didn't get any social status from it, but I just loved that. And then another family gathering a little later on, um, there were some relatives from out of town and from the States. They were executives. 
very successful executives and and nice people and they hadn't done this before there are people who help have been working for the family for years who who cook and clean and take down the the party tents so they started taking down the party tent and they they could do this in their sleep and so the exec uh, family members who were executives they they came by and good with good intentions and they started you know analyzing it out loud and oh well this this started directing and it was interesting the best thing i could do now is to step back because now the dynamic had changed and i watched how the people who were helping who were helping the family who knew what they were doing now they had two jobs one the job that they could do in their sleep and now the other job of being patient with these executive people making their job harder, taking it much longer, and, and being careful of their feelings and their ego. So now they had these two different jobs, uh, which I thought was very interesting. And so what do I get out of work? Doing something doing something useful that's good for me. You know, I should benefit from my work and, and doing something that's in service of something real, real value uh, to someone else. And doing that with other people there's just a, such a joy, such a joy when you're working with other people well and in a good way and doing something worthy. So I've, I've now I've literally got a list of six things that I want to talk. I can't talk about them all. I know that, James. I can see James looking at me going, you can't talk about six. Oh, no, let's go. But, let's go. <laughs> so there's so much in so what you said up. that I think is really, really interesting. And I'm going to I'm going to do one one just comment on something you said early doors. And then I, I want to ask you a question. But you mentioned right at the beginning of that about this. You wanted to get out and you wanted you wanted to be wise. Right. And I think that is an amazing assertion about what work can give you if you go beyond mm. your existing expectation. And, and the thing that struck me, and it, I've been trying to make sense of why I was so driven to go and try constantly new things, right? I never wanted to be good at stuff. I always wanted to go away and try something I was bad at and get better at it. And for me, it's that, oh. it's that idea of building some level of wisdom about how you operate and how the world operates. And for me, I got that through work. And it sounds a little bit like that was something you were seeking. And I just, I love that idea because I think, I think we don't talk enough about the, the, the nourishment of gaining wisdom, right? And I don't mean in a grand way. I mean in a little way, in a little mm-hmm. life lesson way about yourself. And then the other thing that I, um, I really wanted to talk about, so you, I think, well, I, I don't know where to start, the marquee story, right? So you talk about, and I, I, the audience might remember that I've worked in events for a long time. So A, I've put up and taken down a lot of marquees badly. And and fortunately been part of teams who are good at it. But also, I think there's something beautiful about the performativity and the dance of work when it's physical. And restaurants, you were talking about restaurants, right? And you were talking about that idea of people weaving and knowing their place and knowing their routine. And I am not a dancer, right? Anyone who knows me will tell you I'm not a dancer. And yet, I remember someone saying to me, I was working on an event and it was a site I knew really well. And it's a big site, a lot of people there. We serve huge amounts of food and we run a load of sports and someone said we watch you sometimes and you are so elegant about the way you move around site now I am not elegant in the way I move I can assure you but I knew the shortcuts and they would see me weave my way through this site knowing where to be behind someone's ear you know having and I think restaurants are like that I think you watch a really good service team and staffing in the kitchen and they're yes. never in each other's way yes. and they're always like you can't yes. see me because we're on a podcast but they're always like um 
bending and moving like dancers. Like they might not be as like uh-huh. have pointy hands and all of that, but they know each other and they read each other and they pull dishes down or they take dishes away at exactly the moment that the person leans back. And there is something about being so in the moment of that. It's not about mm. long-term projects. It's about the immediacy of your challenge today is to get through that day and navigate it in a way that works for everyone. And so when you were talking about that, I guess I just wanted to ask, is that, how, is that kind of how it felt? Is it that idea if you finish the day and you look back and you go, we did this dance the best mm. we could? Yeah, at the end of the day, you've accomplished something concrete, like a choreography. And maybe I still will do it. Years ago, I was describing a community-minded cafe that I wanted to open and how how the how people will be working there and just smooth and efficient. I said Circus Ole. Oh, darn it. I don't know the, the name, but it's a famous circus. But I realized that was a bad analogy because maybe they were thinking, oh, you want to do your job and do flips and dance <laughs> and like it's like say no 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 it's just an analogy. Like everyone knows their part, but also there's a lot of improvisation in the restaurants, right? Everyone fits very well with everyone else. The attention, everyone's paying a lot of attention because it's a dangerous thing. The, using that analogy, it's like, oh, people are gonna be getting something done and, and fairly complex. It's a fairly com- fairly complex, fast moving environment. And just getting it done almost seamlessly working together is kind of a dance. Guests, they look at people in a restaurant. These are the people who are serving them. They're working very smoothly. They're happy. They're professionals. That's impressive. These are the people who are cooking my food and serving my food to me. That's nice. If people are cooking and serving the food, they're saying, ah, rah, rah, rah. no, I need table 14. Oh, God. And it's like, oh, you want some more ranch with that? I'll be right back. Oh, my God. It's like, that's not unless it adds to the customer's experience. When they see, wow, this is a great, smooth team, and it, my meal is beautiful and service. I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of this as a customer. It's, it's great to watch. And that's really interesting that the person actually noticed you and, and noticed. A lot of people don't really notice, but they, he or she noticed how you, with expertise and with your experience and your knowledge, you built how you're able to meet the situation just like a, like a master. Well, I, to be fair to them, it was someone who knows me in my normal life because I work with them in other times. And I think it was the con- it was the contrast of how oh, I normally look car. that might well have drawn yeah, yeah, their yeah. attention to it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in on that because before you started speaking with that um, sort of dance and the choreography analogy, what had popped into my mind was a symphony. So like that sort of musical coming together where everyone brings very yes. different tone and pitch and timbre, but it all comes together to this wonderful thing. And one of the things that's a description that I had in, in my mind from a while ago is to do with sort of what fulfillment feels like or can feel like in, in work. And the description I, I'd read was to do with happiness and, and what that moment of fulfillment and happiness is. And what was described was that you know, we are happiest when we are being used for our purpose, right? Whatever that is. And so, so the description said, you know, if there is a knife that is chopped, or, you know, designed for chopping apples, then it's at its happiest when it is fulfilling the function for which it feels best equipped to do. Um, and I go running and occasionally, I, I'll very occasionally, I'll, I'll get a moment where I think all of my limbs are working together. I'm breathing. I'm, I'm sort of in a physical state of flow. And this is what my body's designed for. And in that moment, that feels like a really good thing for me to be doing. And I'm engrossed and I'm involved and I'm fulfilled in that moment. And it is in the moment, not in the future of the past. And it feels like work can bring some of that as well. So, And, and if, if I'm doing that on my own, that's nice. But if I'm doing that and, and sort of tessellating in with the 
fulfillment mm. that other people get and that hand in and hand off and and you know just the, the immediate knowing of what other people need and and so you're all working together in, in that harmony i think that can be really really interesting i guess if if um if just if we think about you know the what a good day feels like for you you, you talked a little bit about what it felt like in that uh, in the restaurant environment and some of the things that you've got there how did it feel in in when you worked in ot did you have in the occupational therapy did you have good days like that what was that experience like in in that analogy how did it fit what was it what was it like oh that's great yeah i i looked at working at ot as well i worked in the hospitals and nursing homes and it was like working in a dysfunctional restaurant except that lives were on the line wow and so what was the dysfunction how did how did that work out how did you how did the pressure materialize and how did that feel and where did it come from maybe well it's a mixed bag of really beautiful wonderful things happening there and then also like the oh yeah like like the movie office space is like oh geez if i can quickly backtrack and then circle back around to what you were saying james about being the moment and what uh, jane what you were saying about different words being in the present moment you're happy now if you're knife and you're you're meant to cut the apples and you're cutting the apples great so when you're in the flow you're in the flow like michael jordan or maybe Neo in the Matrix, uh, you're in the flow and right then you're happy and you could be happy for the next 10 hours. I mean, it's possible. It's t- You could be tired at the end of the day, but it's possible you're in the flow and you're happy right now because you're in the flow. And when you're in the flow with other people, my God, that's a magical experience. It's an ordinary experience and it's profound. And if you can make enough minute money to pay your bills, my goodness, what else do you want? Except for maybe, you know, good family relationships and uh, and maybe a pizza once in a while. But um, so just another really brief note is yesterday, two people and I got together. We were going to put on a show. I'm part of an online community of, to help figure out how problems in the world and how we can make a better place. And someone said, let's put on a show. I said, okay. So the next day we had a one hour meeting. And I thought, oh, I hate these meetings. You get five people together to make toast and it's going to be a nightmare. Butter? Which side? How much butter? How dark? And so, but I said, okay, here's a committee and we're going to put on a show. But it was wonderful. The three of us, we just said, okay, what about this? This is, okay, yes, yes. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. And then, okay, I'll do this. I'll do this. Boom, boom, boom. The whole hour went by, zipped by. And then now the show we're putting on is set in motion. The point is that wasn't physical work. That was mental work. But it was beautiful. It was a symphony, like you said, James. It was wonderful. So in oc- occupational therapy, that's a mixture of physical work and a lot of mental work and a lot of work of building rapport with uh, interacting with your client or patient. So yeah, it was like working in a it was like working in a dysfunctional restaurant, except for lies room line. I mean, I wasn't a brain surgeon or a doctor or anything, so that's a whole different thing. But people's health was on the line. So, James, you ask about. What was that like? I guess I was wondering, you described what a good day felt like in restaurants. I was kind of wondering uh, what the good day felt like in OT. And uh, like, what, what is a good day in OT? Oh, great. It's a perfect example of, uh, of, of both good, good and bad day. The good day was one uh, client. She was an elderly woman and she had she could not get up out of her chair and walk to the kitchen and then walk or anywhere and then walk back to her chair. She had a hard time standing up from her chair, having the strength and and the fear that she would fall and then walking and getting back. So if she could just do this, have the coordination and strength and the confidence to do this, she could return home. Big difference in her life instead of being institutionalized. 
So I was working with her doing exercises and then I spoke with her family. Everything went smoothly. I looked at her chart. What are the contraindications so I don't hurt her during therapy? And okay, this is what she needs. And we started going. And then it was very slow going. Then I talked with her, I can I talked with her, her 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 children, and they told me that she was she was afraid. She was afraid of falling when she was um, getting up from her chair. So fear was a big thing. So okay, that's what's holding that's what's holding her back. So what I just did, I just made an extra, extra effort to, like, you had the safety belt on. And I said, Margaret, that's not her name, but Margaret, I'm here. I, and she could feel my hands on the belt, like, you know, like tight on the belt and like sturdy. Like, I'm here. I am not going to let you fall and um, take your time, do whatever you want. I've got you. And so I just threw, through the things like this, she really knew that she wasn't going to fall. She did her exercises of getting up out of the chair and bit by bit. So three weeks later, her children came in because they wanted to see her, her improvement. And she did the whole thing perfectly. She, with confidence, she leaned forward, got out of her chair, walked like the 20 feet, sat down and then repeated back to the original one. And we all clapped. He said, oh, great. Uh, Margaret can come home now. It was a perfect success. I worked with the family. I worked with the clients and it all just came together and she's going home. And that's. And it was just beautiful, perfect. That's the perfect thing that we were we were all there for. So, uh, as always, in what you've said there, there's quite a lot that's got my mind thinking. And I guess you know, I've I've got I've, I've got quite a soft spot for OTs because they've they've one in particular has played quite a sort of significant role in my family because my my dad had an OT for three years before he died. And one of the things that really struck me about her was exactly the things you've just talked about. These two different but complementary satisfaction things we get from work. One is this idea of purpose. So she was able to give my dad a less rubbish quality of life than before, right? So she was able to make him be able to walk outside safely and confidently. And the other, that she was this part of a wider system that she was able to pull in. So she was able to pull in the right tools that she needed, the support mechanisms, she was available to feed back information to his doctors about his condition. And she mm-hmm. played this sort of very intrinsic part. And I think there's something really interesting in that. There are these two different things we need, or you seem to talk about needing for work. One is I'm helping people have a better something, whether it's life, restaurant, whatever. And the other is I am part of this team, whether I am see them or not, that is working together seamlessly and well to create this thing. And I guess I wanted to ask you, like, do you think uh, those are equal for you? Is one more important than the other? What happens if you don't have both those things in your workplace? Yeah, that reminds me of uh, the thing about having two jobs, your job, your, your work, and then the BS. It could be intentional BS or unintentional BS. If you can be in a work environment where it's not conducive to do the thing that you're being asked to do or you're trying to do, and go against the grain and, and swim upstream in order to actually cook the meal nicely or help your patient or client. I guess that could be satisfying because like, well, you did it under trying circumstances. It's nice to get the results and help the person. So which is better, helping the person or being part of a seamless team? Well, if you're part of a seamless team, but you're you're part of the world-destroying machine, that's a phrase Charles Eisenstein, he's a writer that I like, he uses. That's satisfying. There's plenty of people who are like, oh, I'm going, I'm doing my thing, and good for them. That's how they see the world. Dog eat dog, and they're winning. But if you're not helping people, if you're not helping people, 
uh, I don't know. Jeez, I mean, what's the point? So I guess helping people would would be the most important for me, but to working with other people well, that's also tremendous, very human experience. I think think what's really interesting about what you've just said is that it probably comes down to personal values and our inner core beliefs about what matters. And I suspect, like, depending on where you sit on that, Mm. depends on which becomes the sort of deal breaker, I guess. Because as soon as you say it like that, you're right. There's plenty of people who who are part of a system that I might not like and see as purposeful as helping people, but they're still satisfied in their jobs. But it wouldn't work for me. Yeah. And it probably changes as well. I was going to say, it probably, like, changes for each of us. You know, in one moment, one bit might be the most powerful. And then, you know, the next day we might feel something else. So I think we're, we're probably fluid. But I think probably you know, reflect on what you asked, as long as I can scratch my itch with both of those things a little bit and I can alternate and, and get my feel of that, um, the benefit of those things, I end up feeling feeling all right. I've got one last question for you, Joseph, before we, we start to wrap up. And that is, you know, clearly throughout your career, you've had um, the curiosity, the openness to experience and the courage and willingness to, to institute change and do things differently and, and move on and try new things. So, so that you can continue this quest to learn and experience and explore. I guess the question is, you know, that ability and that courage doesn't necessarily come easy to a lot of people. So what would you say in, as a, a bit of advice if there's somebody out there who's maybe thinking about trying something new or, or getting the courage to go off and explore a little bit more? What would you say to them? I am cautious about giving advice. I guess my approach to giving advice is saying, this is my experience. This is my perspective. I quote Bruce Lee, uh, to paraphrase, uh, take what's valuable from the teachings, ignore what's not useful to you, and add what is your own. When I was vagabonding, a couple times I was intermittently homeless, but that was some of the happiest, it was a struggle, but some of the happiest times in my life. Uh, I was driving a taxi in Long Island and going to massage therapy school, and I was temporarily homeless, but I just camped out. I I didn't have a tent. I always just slept behind the school, and it was fair weather, so I'd wake up. I'd reach for an apple, my bowl of fruit. That was my breakfast. That's the only thing I had to do, just reach for an apple. Ah, here's the sunshine. I would study my notes and I would wait for the school to open and I would take a shower in there. I was free and happy and it was wonderful. And I and I had great joy. I, I've had many, most of my life great joys in following, even though it was difficult, following what my purpose. I was an apple cutting knife and I was doing my thing and it was great. And also, and sometimes I said, you know what? You're an idiot. Just be normal. And that's when I went to occupational therapy. Just go to school. Just be a normal person. And there's something inside of me that just died. What is the, even the purpose of anything if, if, I'm, not, if I'm not cutting, cutting the apples, you know, if I'm not doing what I want to do? So, I don't know. Advice is like good luck for everyone on their journey. Um, if you, if you can do what you really want to do in this world and, and offer your gifts, whatever your gifts are to this, to this world, to your community, if you can do that, man, you've won one of the great prizes of life and there's a risk because you can be poor, be, be unhappy. So, uh, so individual choice, if you want to go for it, it's a joyful, wonderful adventure. It's a great, one of the greatest adventures of life and good Good luck. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. And, and you know, I was going to say something that, that I'll, I'll reflect on just briefly on our conversations, but I've really enjoyed is your clear reflection on moments of joy and excitement and 
um, fulfillment and, and contentedness in all these different types of jobs that you've done. So in each one, if you're with the right people in the right place, it feels like you've, you've had a, a fulfilled experience in those types of roles. And so that feels like it gives us a, a bit of hope. Now, one thing that I know that you've done um, is you've done a, a bit of work creating a course as well. And just as we're, we're getting ready to, to head out here, um, what I'd like to do is to close. It's to just ask you, how could people learn a little bit more about the course that you've created and the things that, that you've been working on? Oh, thanks. So uh, thank you for, I appreciate not talking too much about this course, which is kind of odd because I'm, I'm here because I would like pe- everyone to know about this free video text course. It's available at um, AuthenticTeamBuilding.com. And it goes to, I had a website, but it goes directly to the YouTube channel and the, the, the video, the videos are there and the, the text the free text is there. It's all free because I figure a lot of re- frontline restaurant workers do not have any money and, and also a restaurant owner, like who, who's this Joseph Workman guy. So to here, take the course and take from it what you can't, what you, what's good for you, what sounds good, what you resonate with, ignore what you don't like and add to your own. And after you achieve results, after you're a restaurant owner or any business owner, and you use these principles and it's changed your life. And wow, my operation four months later is running very smoothly and, and it just keeps getting better and better. Or you're a frontline worker. And man, these, these things have really helped, helped me uh, in, in my professional and personal life. Then you can send me money. I, I think it's very unlikely, but maybe some people will. So it's free. Use it. Benefit from it. And if people send me money. You know, a freshman owner sends me a thousand bucks or a frontline worker sends me five bucks. Fantastic. And I'm glad we didn't talk about it because if I try to explain it a little bit in the short amount of time we have, it, it's like a piece of the puzzle. You get a couple pieces of the puzzle, but they don't see the whole puzzle. So if you really want to make your workplace a great place to work, and if you want to learn things individually as just as a worker, just look at the course and it's a vast amount of information and you can learn a lot. So um, I'm going to leave it there and just wrap up by saying a huge thank you for me. That was a really fun conversation. So thank you for me. And thank you for me. Thank you, Jane and James. Thank very much. Okay, so you are back in the room with us. And that was our conversation with Joseph Workman, all about dignity at work and different work experiences and what work is like and what work feels like and what contributes to positive working experiences and otherwise. Uh, Jane, any takeaways you'd like to reflect on? Oh, so much. It's interesting talking to someone with such a varied career history, and it reminded me and took me back a little bit to some of my early work experiences. But I guess the thing that really sticks in my mind is the conversation we were having around um, his restaurant experience and this this feeling you get when teams are moving together seamlessly and how it can feel almost like a, a, a dance or something where you can sort of anticipate your fellow teammates moves and respond accordingly and swerve and 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 you know pick up a rhythm if you will and I really love that idea and it always reminds me back to like the concept of flow within work um but for a team and that kind of I, that I just think there's something really lovely about it and it's probably the one thing I miss uh now that I do predominantly desk-based work yeah there is something lovely in there and it's that sort of physical interaction and that connectedness with other people that's so enriching really it's it's really great um one of the things one of his stories that i really connected with was the lovely story about putting up a marquee and then having some executives start to instruct about putting up a marquee and how that actually led to the individuals doing the work having two jobs the job of doing the task and the job of mollifying and and supporting the people who were telling them what to do 
I just thought that was a lovely little uh, example of that type of practice showing up in the real world. And, you know, we've all seen that and we've all been part of that type of interaction before. So it's just a nice little reminder that sometimes it's good to step back and just let other people do what they do. We don't always need to be involved, I think. So, um, yeah, so I thought that was a great story to summarize that. Okay, well, I think that's it from us for this week. So it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Hi, everyone. This is James. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to that podcast. And please do share it and review it if you enjoyed it. And don't forget, you can learn more about our coaching, workshops, courses, and development programs on our website. That's www.worldofwork.io. Again, www.worldofwork.io. 